I'm Alex. I'm James. And I'm Dan. We're the Ragamuffins, and this is episode 38 of the Ragamuffin Music Podcast. It's a place for us to talk about the music we love. This month, we're reviewing new songs from Ghost Inside, Boston Manor, While She Sleeps, as well as new albums from Being as an Ocean and Dream State. And then we'll be discussing the state of how costly it is to go to gigs these days. Does it cost too much? But first, we'll talk about last episode's album recommendations. The first Rex of 2024. How exciting. Jay, what do you recommend? I recommended How to Survive a Funeral by Make Them Suffer. Can I go first? You can go first. I thought this was fantastic. I thought, I've never been, like, huge into Make Them Suffer. Um, like, a special, this is the first full album that I've gone into with them. And... I thought it was just brilliant. It was like, at times, it was like if Lamb of God did Metalcore. It was like the vibe I got. Um, I think the thing that stood out the most to me, is, and it's something that like Metalcore bands, I think, really struggle with, particularly in like, the last 10 years, is this album did a really good job of like pace and flow. Like it was, a, I found it a really easy album to digest and listen to in bulk. And I'm terrible with full albums normally, so... For me, it was like a breeze to get through this. I really, really enjoyed it. And I think, particularly towards the back half, there was a lot more... There was definitely a lot more ex- experimentation going on. It was like the front half was like solid, beat you over the head, brilliant metalcore. And then it was like they allowed themselves to play outside of their own lines in the second half of the album, which I thought made it for a really interesting listen. Yeah, I think just a really well-balanced, really interesting, versatile metalcore album. Yeah, I loved seeing this band uh, supporting Straight From The Path towards the end of last year. I remember, James, you came away from that set saying that you surprisingly knew a lot of the songs Mm -hmm. without realising that it was them that did them. Mm -hmm. I didn't think that at the time, but when I've gone back to listen to this album, I think the song Bones, just immediately I was like, yeah, I know this song. I don't know where I know it from, but I just know it. That rift is, um, is just unmistakable to me. Um, and riffs are kind of the theme across the album Um, it's just obviously it's riffs are kind of something that make metalcore and this is just a rock solid metalcore album Um, and I loved it a lot reminds me a lot of Polaris as well which is an absolutely massive compliment very excited to see them at Downward very very good stuff Alex what did you recommend? I recommended Ithaca's debut The Language of Injury I think uh, with how good They Fear Us was, it's very easy to kind of overlook how strong this is as a debut album as well. Um, The main thing for me revisiting this album is the production. There's some kind of charm about how raw the production sounds. It kind of reminds me of a lot of albums I used to like listening to in sort of 2007, 2008 sort of era. It's got that kind of production level to it, um, which I really, really love. And Impulse Crush is always one of my favourites when we've seen them live and uh, yeah, a favourite off this album as well. Interestingly, I found the production more difficult for me to listen to, like, back to it now. Um, but that's what's good about it. It's fun. I feel like there, there are some albums in particular, like, I'll just go with my GOAT album being Iowa, which the production on it, I think, adds to it in a way that I like. But I found this one a little more difficult to... Uh, like, like, ingest and properly take in with its production. I thought, like songwriting was was fantastic on it but for me i think a cleaner production would have appealed to me slightly more on some of this especially like listening to some of they fear us um i did love the title track 
I thought that was that was a standout for me. Um, but I think maybe I had higher expectations after they fear us. And for me, like I think, yeah, that production was a bit of a hindrance. But it's all down to personal preference. I think it was kind of by design, though. Like from interviews I've read and heard from this era, there was a lot of like outward pointed aggression and anger, especially in like the lyrics and the way that Jamila was feeling at the time. So I think that's kind of reflected in how it sounds sonically. It's, it is like an aggressive thing to listen to. Um, I think the interesting thing about it is, especially because I've been so obsessed with They Fear Us, is like, you can hear, going back to this, that this album's like, pure, like, unrestrained, like, chaos. And then They Fear Us is them, like, learning how to tame it and focus it in, like, more direct ways, which I think makes for the third, like, the next album to be even more interesting, because it's going to be fun to see where that next step goes for them. Yep, we're all nodding at each other on an audio podcast. Dan, what do you recommend? I recommended Dispose by The Plot in You. Very excited to hear what you boys think of this one. You go first. Uh, I really enjoyed it. It's a name that I've seen popping around a lot more quite often. Um, I noticed it a little bit before you kind of uh, recommended it. It's like they've been doing some good stuff on social media recently. Hence that name popping up. Uh, I will note that I love the fact that, although I think it's Warner Brothers have removed all of their audio off of uh tiktok in particular they've been putting audio off like random songs over their live videos so obviously you're seeing the visuals of metal performances and i think one of them was cotton eye joe nice um so like social media game popping off i'm hearing more about them knowing that i think they're supporting Beartooth late this year right now i think right now i think they're coming over on the Beartooth one in october over here potentially don't recall i may be wrong if not, I think they're, they're coming think somewhere. They've support yet. There's a tour that I think I'm going to that I think I've seen them for. So they've been on my radar. Um, and it was just a nice welcoming introduction to them. Um, I think through some of the social media I've seen, I started recognizing some of the songs I was playing through. Um, Not Just Breathing and I Always Want to Leave really stood out as very strong to me. I felt like there's some kind of staple kind of identity parts of metalcore that you kind of hear throughout it but they do give it a bit of a different twist to it i think the production was really really strong throughout um and they've now kind of really properly popped onto my radar there's like a few of these metalcore bands that I, i'm trying to get into like with some tours and stuff happening this year like them like monster flames uh devil West prada bands have been around for like a good few years at least for some of them that i'm like okay i need to kind of get around to these and so this was kind of a nice pathway for me to Start to really enjoy the plot and you get in some of their music, find out recommendations through their their Spotify, their playlist of like other songs to listen to. So yeah, very, very much enjoyed this. That's the main thing for me with this band is that, like you said, they've been around a little while. This album came out in 2018. And for me, I mean, you look at bands like Bad Omens that are doing massive things now. But I think the plot and you were, and uh, Ed and the Ragmuffin Club has mentioned the same thing. They're a bit like ahead of their time. Mm -hmm. Like, Bad Omens are doing what The Plot and You did on this album, but not as well as they did it, in my opinion. Yeah. I think The Plot and You did it far better, and they did it years ago. Agreed. Um, so now that that kind of music is seems to be the trending thing, I'm really excited to see the, what The Plot and You do now. I think having like a big proposition in the band like Beartooth, who have just grown and grown over the years, having that kind of good support slot, it's only going to do wonderful things, introduce them to that audience if people hadn't seen them or heard them before. 
And yeah, this this could be a big year for them. Mm. Yeah, unfortunately, I didn't get as much time with this album as the other two. This month sort of got away from me, but I liked what what I did listen to. Um, I think I probably just need a bit more time with it. I think I kind of need to see it live. I think they're one of those bands for me that like gotta see it live to get it. As always, um, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes, like, there are some metalcore bands that like they can all kind of blur into one for me a little bit until I make like that distinguish that distinction live, if that makes sense. So, yeah, I don't know when I'll catch them, but I'm sure I will at some point. A good album, nonetheless. Good recommendations. Well done, everyone. Good job, team. Shall we move on to some newer music? Yes, let's. Starting with Ocean's 8 Alaska with Endless Hollow. This was interesting, kind of... There's been all the drama that's come out recently. Um, So, my first point being that I just want to kind of see some stability within this band. Hmm. And I'm hoping with this new vocalist, they'll get that. I think like just musically wise, this is a slight departure from older Ocean's 8 Alaska. Um, There's some more kind of maybe slightly more generic metalcore parts to it, which actually I think kind of works in their sound in terms of making those more intricate, virtuosic kind of sections stand out more. Um, stuff like having the the big song chorus, I think melodically hits very, very strongly and has kind of popped into my head at various times within all of that. I think riff-wise, it's fantastic. Um, it's just kind of... I, I wish everything that's happening in the circumstances was obviously not around with that because they're a band that I think could and maybe should have already blown up by now. And it seems like the lack of consistency and maybe things behind the scenes have halted that and, and kind of stopped them in their tracks and I'd like to see I guess um, like I say a more consistent approach from them I think they've broken away from label now and are trying to do it independent so maybe that's going to help a little bit but as a song I, I really really like the song um, as someone who's listened to a lot of their material to be honest um, I like the direction it's going and I'm kind of intrigued to hear where this continues from here yeah, if we put all the kind of behind-the-scenes stuff aside and just look at it as a, a song on its own, I think it's a great song. I think um, I really like the Gentee riffs. Uh, you already mentioned, James, the chorus, which stands out really, really well, especially with that uh, that vocal performance. And I always love the way that a vocalist sort of balances on sort of the borderline between cleans and screams and sort of can flick between the two quite easily. And the vocalist does that quite well on this song. The problem with me at the moment is I'm really struggling with how saturated the metalcore scene is at the moment. Mm-hmm. And I think you really, if you're in a metalcore band, you really need to be doing something unique and something special to be able to stand out at the moment, like bands like Alpha Wolf and Landmarks are doing. And for me, it, this song just doesn't quite, it's a great song, but it just doesn't quite do enough to kind of keep me wanting to go back to it. I think that's my biggest thing is for a band that like have always been very i think very unique and very very much like front runners of their sort of niche like micro genre that this what this is a bit i don't know feels a bit too bit yeah too safe a bit too simplified and 
yeah, within the boundaries of what metalcore should be, which is not really what I think, what I go to Ocean's 8 Alaska for. Like, I, the most recent album I thought was actually really, really innovative and interesting to listen to. And also, I really like James, the original vocalist's voice, so it is a shame that he's left, especially in the circumstances. And I think that has kind of coloured my opinion of this song as well, because it was kind of a one-two of, like, that happened and then this came out. And it was a bit like, it kind of took the wind out of the sails for me a bit, which is a shame. Uh, so we've got a remix from some old friends, Against the Sun, uh, J.A.D. What do you think? I think what we've said about Against the Sun in the past is how they're constantly just trying different things and somehow doing all of it really well. Um, like, we're used to hearing uh, Brad's voice sort of absolutely belting at like, the top of his range. And on this one, it's kind of reined in a bit and we're hearing kind of the lower, sort of more stripped back sort of ability to his voice. And he sounds great. Um, I'm also getting some subtle Linkin Park vibes from this as well. Oh, I don't which even is think it's nice. subtle. I think it's hasty. I think they're laying it on. But it's nice. It's very exciting. I always love it when bands do shit like this. It's like remix or a reimagining or a new version of something. It feels like a really good side quest. Yeah. And and like Dan said, every time they've tried something new or stepped outside of what we know them to be, they've nailed it bang on. Like it's I almost annoying. It is a bit annoying. <laughs> Go on, release a dud for a laugh. No, <laughs> um, no, they're brilliant. I w- will keep shouting about it until we're blue in the face, but this is a very exciting band. Just constantly innovative, mm. enjoying, and every time something comes out, you can see the improvement the kind of the the craft is there and it's just being honed and getting better and better like they deserve to blow up they deserve attention and hopefully they get more of it and i bet i bet they're cooking they're cooking a, a storm oh, right they're now. always cooking love they're to see them live. busy boys next up we got wash it away by the ghost inside now we spoke earlier about maybe ocean's 8 alaska toning it down and I feel like this is a much more toned down and slightly more generic Ghost Inside. Compared to like uh, Death Grip, I think it was, which was the single before this, where I think me and Alex were saying about how it, it felt like a strong return after kind of they had to get like Aftermath out of the way um, just to be able to kind of like get back on point, really. And for this, this was, it, it's great. I think it's really catchy, but it just feels slightly generic for me. Um, chorus it's got a nice melody to it it would stay in your head it's written well for that perspective but it wasn't the ghost inside I was looking for when I knew a new song was being released and it left me slightly disappointed yeah I mean I mentioned earlier about how metalcore is very saturated you've got to do stuff to stand out and this is another one that's just kind of cookie cutter metalcore it sticks to the script it does everything you want from a good metalcore song and it does nothing extra which I mean, it's almost a backhanded compliment because, it, again, it's a it's a good song. It doesn't do anything wrong, but it doesn't do anything to excite me either, really. Um, I thought um, the riff was cool. There's a nice big chorus in there. Um, I thought the bridge sounded a little bit bare-toothy, mm-hmm. which I thought was kind of cool. But again, other than that, it's just kind of stuck to a very simple song structure. Ticked all the boxes, but... Execution fell flat a bit. Uh, Next up, we've got Boston Manor, back with a bang. 
with Container. Now, on my first listen, I thought, it's kind of cool, but it's not really doing anything sort of groundbreaking. It's not doing anything, like Boston Manor can be quite experimental at times. I was expecting to come back with something quite new and innovative, but they haven't done that. So first listen, I was a little whelmed, but then after listening to it on the drive to work in the morning, I was thinking what I've just mentioned. But then at work, I found myself... And I was like, hang on a second. This is a bit of an earworm, isn't it? And then I listened to it more and more and more. And you know what? It's a banger. It's simple, but it slaps. I think they master the earworm perfectly. Like, if you said a song... I'm picturing a worm in docks with a little black beanie on (laughs) There you go, there's a merch idea, boys. Um, no, I, I I just think they are so good at, like, you hear a song for the first time, and that's it. It's in your head. Like, I'm pretty... I want to say that Passenger, we heard it for the first time live at Trees, before it came out. Or had it been out for, like, a I day? I think it had been out for a couple of days. And I remember thinking to myself, as they started playing it, no one's going to fucking know this. Sure enough, by the second chorus, everyone's singing along. Like they have this just innate ability to write bangers, and uh, it was a bit of a slow burner. This one it did take me a few, but now it's in there. It's in there for life. So it did remind me a lot of uh, their sound from their album Glue as well. Yeah, I think it's kind of. And I know there was like a mix of sounds on that album on its own, but it it kind of remind reminded me of like wouldn't be out of place on that album. I don't think sure. But I'm assuming it's going to be on um, the upcoming part two of Datura. But time will tell. James? I don't have much else to add, to be fair. I'm kind of on a similar path with both of you. Like, first listen, just didn't really click for me. And then I was like, you know what? I spin it back again and spin it back again. And I did a few, like, repeat listens in particular, just back to back to back. And it just took, I think, those extra times to kind of really grasp it. And, and then at that point, like, once it's there, it's there. Um, and it stays. And again, I can I can hear lyrics in my head. I can hear the mel- melodies in my head just talking about the song. And like you say, it's an earworm. It just stays with you in particular. So, uh, yeah, slow burner turned into an absolute banger. Uh, very excited for this upcoming tour that's happening. Uh, very excited for Data Part Two. Bring it on. Bring it on. Here, here. Next, we've got uh, what may be the last single before the upcoming album by While She Sleeps it is To The Flowers what do you think boys? well it's maybe the last single and it's probably my favourite of the singles I think agreed Um, firstly I mean people are going to be talking enough about that lead guitar part I don't need to talk about it anymore than than that the only thing I'll say for that is I remember like two, three, four months ago maybe I can't even remember the exact time when I could see Sean on his post where he was noodling around and playing on it and I was like, oh, that sounds cool. I wonder like where I'm going to hear that. And then literally pressing play on the song for the first time and hearing, I was like, fuck, I, I saw this on Instagram. <laughs> I saw this being done. So that was quite cool. But yeah, go on. I think uh, my favorite parts uh, in the song are the bits where it starts to slow down a little. I think those are really cool. Um, and I will say though, like the atmosphere is very similar to Nerv- to their song Nervous, which is a really special mm-hmm. song. But does, is it maybe a bit too similar to it? Because Nervous is such a special song, I think, that it's it's so unique in, in While She Sleeps sort of back catalogue. 
Yeah. That do we need a, a song similar to it? Um, and my other criticism is, although it's my favorite of the singles, still don't love it. It's still like I'm still not fully sold on this album. I'm hoping they're saving something really special for some of the deeper cuts for when the album's released. We'll see. And obviously, I love While She Sleeps. They're one of my favorite bands of all time. Mm-hmm. But I'm not that excited for this album at the moment. I'm a little worried. I don't think I'm worried, but I kind of agree with you where I think the songs aren't hitting as much as I'd hope them to. Um, I, I I agree with the nervous comparison. It was one of the first things that popped into mind. I guess the tonality of the song, like you kind of draw that comparison immediately. And I, I think it is like a bit of a, not a copy paste, but it just like it, it feels like it it doesn't kind of live up to what I would see in, in a way as the original being nervous. Uh, I think it is a really good song. I would say my favorite out of the ones being released so far has been down. Um, I think that's just much more enjoyable. Um, yeah, that's another thing actually. I find it kind of weird in a way that that song was called down, and then this song down. repeats the lyrics down, yeah, down, no, down. That was a noticeable part. Yeah. Um, I thought the music video was fantastic. To be honest, um, quite beautifully done. Music film, um, music film, and I think we'll definitely be something we talk about with music video of the year when it comes around to it, the end of twenty four in our awards. I'm kind of just, I think, just being patient, trusting the process, and just gearing up, ready for it being released next month. I think if I go into it, I don't feel like I'm going into it expecting anything bad but this might be a good thing it might be good yeah. to go into I feel I'm, release. I'm not like high expectations yeah. i think it's just fairly neutral fairly yeah. like level plateau where i'm just like yeah it's coming out next month let's just see how it lands and it, yeah, it's I'm kind of like same. left me in that boat but uh yeah that's where i'm at i'm quite surprised because i thought this was brilliant i thought it is i think quite easily the best of the three singles um but i think it's got everything that I want from a While She Sleeps song with enough of like, you know, the new elements that they've been developing over the last few years. I don't know. I felt like this was a really, really good blend of like, you could take away like the sort of crazy leads and synth stuff that's kind of new While She Sleeps and it would feel at home on like Brainwashed or something or uh, You Are We. Um, yeah, I don't know. I felt like it was sort of a all eras encompassing type of song. And I thought the music video especially was sort of added to the... It accompanies it very... Nice. Yeah, it was the first what I first time I heard the song was watching the video, which is something we've talked about before, is how people should be digesting their music for the first time, I think. So I thought it was great. And finally, we've got a poem burner body back with another ghost. Uh, I think we've spoken a little bit before about the resurgence they've had recently. Since becoming more independent, releasing just singles. We still don't know if there's an album coming in particular, but they've been in the studio writing quite a lot. Um, I liked the changer. I felt it was kind of slightly akin to... Oh, I'm trying to remember the album name. Fury. No. Southern Hostility. No. The world is mine me now. Yes. Uh, there were parts of it akin to that where I think there was more experimentation on that album with like the clean vocals. 
Sure. And although we've got someone different apart from Danny doing the cleans, I think the complementing between the two is really, really well done. Um, the song, I think, kind of has something quite beautiful with the melody starting off with that piano at the beginning. And just the way it flows throughout, I, I just found it really, really pleasant uh, and enjoyable. I'm kind of... It's not the best one out of here, but I'm just still all in on this Upon a Burning Body revival that we seem to be having right now. Um, very excited by them. Seeing them getting added to a lot of like American festivals in particular. Hint, hint, UK festival people, please get them fucking booked. They haven't been over here in like nine years. Um, I Yeah, really, really enjoyed it. It was a surprise one that I think I just looked on Twitter and just like, oh, okay, is there anything I missed out on this week? Oh, fuck, there's a new Upon a Murder Body song. And so very quickly went to check it out. And um, yeah, I really, really loved it. See, this is a metalcore song that is doing some interesting stuff. For starters, you've got a sort of trap beat that lures you in, uh, but then there's suddenly an immediate breakdown. Like, it makes you think like it's going to go one direction, and then it's like, no, breakdown. Um, and then another bit I really like is this little trick they do in the second chorus, where it's like... Oh, they're just doing the chorus again. But then, again, uh, nope, no chorus. We're going straight into some sort of heaviness, some screamy vocals and another little riffy breakdown. So, yeah, really fun, I thought. Yeah, it's fun. It feels like they're kind of toying with you. It's like, yeah, here's a nice warm hug of a clean chorus. No, actually, no, I'm going to punch you in the face. No, come back on another. No, it's another punch in the face. Uh, yeah, fun, really fun. I think, um, yeah, they've been on quite the little run of form with all these singles. Um, just want to see him live. I just want to see him live so badly. Like I saw, I saw them on their last run. That was a long fucking time ago. And that's our singles for the. That's the singles done. Shall we look at a couple of albums? Let's. Yeah, boy. What we got first, Alex? We've got "Death Can Wait" by Being as an Ocean. Now, I said something on the last podcast along the lines of people are sleeping on this album. That it's going to be an absolute banger could be a potential sleeping album of the year contender and i'm happy to say that i was probably wrong um but so nearly right at the same time um i think the thing that lets it down is the song structure just seems to be the same in pretty much every song um so that by the time you've heard like two of them you've heard pretty much all of them uh joel's spoken word bits feel a little bit shoved in at times like there's a few verses where it feels like they either couldn't or didn't want to find like some alternative syllable structure to like squeeze it in. So he's just sort of rushed a couple of words. Um, and I feel like as well, all the high points are pretty much carried by Michael's soaring voice in the chorus. It's like the chorus is, all, I mean, the chorus should be kind of the highlight of most songs, but in this it is on every single song. It's like you're just waiting for that chorus to hit so that you can feel sort of euphoric for that moment and then it's you're sort of plodding through the verse again just waiting for the chorus to come back around again which although the choruses are great it kind of makes the rest of the song feel a bit flat and like you're just waiting for that high point that said i really liked most of the songs in it swallowed by the earth was great uh gave it a voice flesh and bone death can wait so that's still like nearly half the album that I really, really enjoyed. So I think it's still a good album, but not quite the expectations that I perhaps hoped for. Yeah, I pretty much second all of that. I think it was a good album. I think... 
before you say anything else, I will say as well, probably the best thing they've released in a very long time. Yes, that was about about to be the point I was going to make. Sorry, <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> I wanted to make it I think you. I think they had such uh, such an impactful first two albums with Dear God and How We Both Wondrously, Wondrously Perish that it's something we've talked about before that when a band strikes gold so early, it either for them or for you as a fan, you're always trying to chase that. Or you have to kind of reside yourself to knowing it's never going to come again. And so I think, like, they definitely experimented with their sound in subsequent albums. I think the self-titled album was still brilliant, by the way. But the albums that followed that I was kind of, they lost me for a bit. And I think, I think this is a really good album for OG fans to get back in. And for new fans to still get on board. Yeah. And I feel like, not to like dismiss this whole album as a body of work, because there are some really great moments on it, but I feel like this is a really good step in the right direction for what's coming afterwards. Yeah, I think that's If that makes fair. sense. Yeah. Like, this is definitely... This is like, almost like getting themselves back on course. Yeah, and getting themselves so back they're on like people's minds back again. on the road now, and then next album they can be... Yeah, traveling down the ro- because, down that road. Yeah, this was the first time I've listened to it being as an ocean release. Oh, crazy! So maybe I've come at it from a slightly different angle. From well, you this guys. is going to be interesting then. Um, I did quite enjoy it. To be fair, uh, I thought there were just like some parts that I just kind of found myself like really intently listening to. But then again, I echo what you said, Dan. Where a lot of it then, as you delve through it as a whole album, as a whole piece, got quite repetitive. Um, certain songs did stand out like for me Purest Love was one uh, and Death Can Wait was one in particular title track I did find that it would be on a lot like in the background and I kind of like hear bits kind of going over again and again maybe while doing something else in particular Um, but I would then be kind of listening intently to it so it's like it's not in a detriment to it I could just kind of always have it on because of the way Although the repetitiveness of it, because of the way the kind of songs are structured with the the up moments, the down moments, the melodic, the more kind of harsher, like there's such an in-between with different points, it feels like it kind of just fits in an everyday atmosphere quite nicely. Um, But that wouldn't necessarily lead me to always be focusing in on on specific things that happen during songs, but from just a point of enjoying it and just being able to kind of in a way, just kind of envelop yourself within an album, just on a day-to-day basis, it works perfectly. Now, like, as with you two, like, it's, it's a band you've kind of listened to more, you've grown up with, where it's not for me, I'm not going to have the same attachment with things like this. So this may be something where, like you were saying, it serves its purpose for what you want out of them now. This, to me, was just, like, a really cool release. It doesn't inspire me to necessarily go and listen to more of their music. Um, I thought they were fantastic at Burn It Down. I thought their set was really, really great. But still, like, for what is something for me as a listener that I'm going to, like, really grab on and hold on to, it doesn't quite have that it factor that really draws me in as a listener to be like, yeah, I really want to check these guys out. That's really kind of piqued my interest. It was great. I can't really fault a lot with it, but it just wasn't 
like my thing in a way if that makes sense that does make sense and now we have a final album it was released just after we recorded last month so is a very late january one but it's the new mini album from dream state still dreaming uh we'd heard a few of the singles and reviewed a few of them leading up to the album release mini album release uh i've got to say i i really love this i've got to ask first go on when does an ep become a mini album and when does a mini album become an album because six for an EP, six i'd say what one two three four five six seven bearing in mind two of them are interludes interludes, which you bloody love love and so five i feel like i feel feel like like, without the interludes that's an ep yeah with the interludes it's a mini album (laughs) yeah (laughs) there we go does that answer your question alex yeah i think so um, probably it, I wonder if there actually is some kind of definition because EP is extended play and LP is long play, isn't it? Yeah, so maybe, maybe, this is maybe it's to do with how many minutes play. of music would so fit it's, on it's, a song. It's a mini long play, so it's a play. I don't know. <laughs> oh, so they wrote a play. <laughs> anyway, and it's it's a play that tells the story of uh, returning to form exactly and making a statement of intent. It's it's so strong throughout the entire mini album. Um, it it flows so well. I think the performances across each song stands out stands out very differently and uniquely. I think instrumentals are phenomenal, but I think Jesse really does stand out in this. The diversity of the vocal styles which she puts through in one line, absolutely beautiful harmonies to the next line, some amazing and devastating screams. Um, it's absolutely phenomenal. Uh, the performance she pulls in on this. I am very, very excited to see them at Takedown coming up. And as well, they've got their UK tour, um, which we'll be going to. That is happening end of March, early April. So get your bloody tickets. Um, yeah, this stands out as something very, very strong for me right now. Uh, I have found myself just re-listening over to this again and again. And I can listen to it from start to finish so bloody easily. It's That's so digestible. mini album. It is. It's just so digestible. Um, I can't really keep praising it enough, and I'm just going to pass it across to you guys. I love it. I want to talk about the electronic bits because I think you know what, Dan, you talk about the electronic bits because I, I I think those just really add to this as well. I mean, we've mentioned that two of the tracks are kind of interlude tracks, and um, the track uh, "Set Free" came on while uh, I went out for a run earlier with our like reviews playlist on just to kind of keep everything fresh. And that track just, like, gave me an extra bit of pace, I think. It just, like, kept me plodding along. Legs were getting a bit tired, but that track comes in. I find the beat, and I'm off. You found that beat. So, yeah, I think the the electronic elements working with the guitars and with Jesse's voice and everything else as well just really comes together really nicely. And if, like, their statement from this is they're still dreaming, they're still a band, they still have really good intentions... They're still here. To go on and do great stuff. And I think they will. Hell yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We keep going to you last and you're just like, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. No, it is brilliant. I think... uh, That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Do we need to... Do we need to... Yeah, we do. She's one of the best vocalists in the scene. Let's give her her flowers. Her performance on this, fantastic. And um, I think that's inspiring when you know that, you know, hearing her talk in interviews and especially when we spoke to her that this was going to kind of be her last shot and she didn't know if she was going to carry on with music if 
this didn't work out so like to then hear how amazing she sounds on this is quite um I don't know heartwarming no agreed agreed definitely Quite, quite a, a strong story to tell and how she kind of put everything into it. And it's it's fucking paid off. It's going to be bloody good live. Just like that again without the yawn. And it's going to be bloody good live. Yes, it is. So get your tickets. And then while you're at it, go and watch our perfect gig with Jesse. Next month then, should we see what we got? Orange Giant. Tell us. On the 1st of March, with the Mandrake Project, Bruce Dickinson. <laughs> On the, <laughs> they don't, make, you, they don't make music like that anymore. On the eighth of March, the Mandrake. Uh, on the eighth, <laughs> on the eighth of March with Invincible Shield, it's Judas Priest. Brilliant, brilliant. Move on. <laughs> I tried to do it without laughing. On the, <laughs> I just want to, I just want to point out, listeners. On James, the eighth, James, <laughs> James is lean, James is now leaning forward in his chair like he's having to lock in for the second half of FIFA. I like, I like the audio description here. James <laughs> is leaning forward in his chair. On the fifteenth of March, we've got Warp Speed Warriors by Dragon Force. That could be kind of sick. I'm not gonna clown on that one. Are you ready for the next one? On the twenty second of March, with an EP called Voyage of the Dead Marauder, it's Aelstorm. And now we actually get up to two releases on the 29th of March, which we'll probably have a little bit more interest in. Uh, we have Self Hell by While She Sleeps. Yay! That's more like and it. And then we've got Heaven and Hell by Sum 41. That's kind of like it. It'll be all right. Out of all those releases in March, what's the highlight? Uh, it's obviously While She Sleeps, isn't it? Yep. Could it be... There. Is it good? <laughs> Something's good. <laughs> wow. Um, bit West Side Story. This could be a crazy album. This could be a buck wild album. I mean, each single so far has done something different. They've brought something different to the table each time. Yeah. And there's still plenty of seats at that table to fill. Yep. <laughs> 12, uh, in, 12 in total, probably. In total. Well, ahead. it's the Last Supper, is it? Oh, no, that's 13. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because Judas wouldn't have been there, would he? Was he not there? Was he there? Don't Someone know. in the comments, let us know. <laughs> I don't remember. Oh, I don't... and then Judas Priest have an album coming out. It all comes back around. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, but no, could someone in the comments let us know, was Judas out the Last Supper? Gig talk. Where have you guys been? I haven't been anywhere yet. No gigs yet for me. No gigs in 2024. It's a gigless boy. Uh, we went to As Everything Unfolds in Oxford. Yeah, we did. And it was really, really good. It was a bloody good evening, wasn't it? Yeah. It's always nice to have a sold-out alternative show in Oxford. Because not a lot of alternative bands come here. Exactly. Who are the bands that played? As Everything Unfolds headlines, Mm -hmm. with support from South Arcade, Mm -hmm. uh, who are a local Oxford band. As they Um, are. And Dala. Shout out. Mm -hmm. It, It was nice to see it fairly busy from the start. Especially like the kind of like local thing, like you say. You, Oxford is a weird market sometimes when it comes to bands, and so it's nice to kind of see full venues as much as possible. And so to have that right from the get go, I think was really cool. Yeah, I think uh, I was just impressed I, by I'd everyone. say, yeah, all three bands smashed it. Yeah. I enjoyed each set. I think it was quite interesting seeing South Arcade for the first time because you two have mentioned them a, a few times and seen them before, and I haven't. Um, I was very much impressed by their live set, very energetic, very, energetic, very fun. 
Um, really crowd engaging as well. Yeah, for sure. It, it really, really, really good set. Um, then as everything unfolds, um, we'll honestly admit, I hadn't listened to them a great deal beforehand. Ha- knowing that this was coming up, had started to delve into it a bit more, but not as much where I, like, I know bands in depth like I know other bands. Um, but going into it and then just seeing the performance, I was really quite blown away. I was very impressed. I thought they were very tight live. They put on a fantastic performance. Um, you could see fucking dedicated fans because I think there were a couple that flew over from Sweden. I think they said that were in like the front row. Um, the which, crowd, the crowd was told to calm down at one point. They were <laughs> like they they were not prepared for the crowd surfing. Um, they were told to calm down. I still think more crowd surfing happened. Oh, it got rowdy, did it? Got a little bit rowdy. Yeah, boy. Yeah, fuck yeah. A bit rowdy in the bully. Um, but no, it was, a, it was a really good evening. I was pleasantly surprised by the commitment to the lighting, to the production side of things. Because mm. it's a very small room. Yep. But there was some very bright lights on that stage. I felt like lots I was blinded. Of, lots of dry ice. Mm-hmm. Um, and from my understanding, most of the tour was venues like that. So yeah, quite an impressive light show for sort of 250 capacity rooms. Oh, Very, sure. very cool. And a wonderful gig. A great evening. Really, really good. As w- I didn't really think about it until afterwards, uh, which again shows kind of how natural it is now. But all three bands on the bill are uh, fronted um, by female vocalists. Mm. Things we love which to see. is excellent for the scene. It shows that there are bands out there that you can book. Like that's a whole tour lineup with like predominantly women in the bands. So like come on promoters and bookers it can it can be done the bands are out there that was it for me did you have anywhere else Dan? uh i went to uh also in oxford um i caught a few bands at beam me up festival um which is kind of a festival to to promote some sort of up-and-coming bands that you're likely to see uh on sort of the rest of the festival circuit and doing lots of tours over the rest of the year my big standout was snakes again in the bullingdon uh seen them a couple of times now but this was the time where it, everything really clicked there was so much energy in the room uh the band were like in the crowd for most of the set as well to be fair and it was just so much fun the the tone that they get from that bass guitar is really really cool um it's a bit of like a royal blood situation where there's no guitarist it's just the bass but it just sounds so full that there's no need for a guitarist as well and they yeah, they really just captivated the room. There was so much energy and it was so much fun. And I've come away. Um, I went to it as a, as a Snakes fan or a... What's the best way of putting it? A, a Snakes... Listener. Intriguer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I've come away a big Snakes fan now. Sick. The and I'm really excited. charmed you. Yeah. Ooh. You've charmed me. You've charmed me. <laughs> That was down in the Bullington about two weeks ago. <laughs> uh, tell a lie, James. I have been to a gig. We went to a sold-out heavy metal show in Whitney, in our hometown. Oh, yeah. Oh, you did at Fat Lills, didn't we? it was a corker. So we're at Fat Lills, historic venue, where... One for the ages. Spent many, many a teenage night in there, moshing and being punched by neck-bearded, sweaty fucks. I spent many a drunken night in there with Dan walking over with tequila rosé shots. Chipped a tooth in there. Against my will. I did, yeah. Yep. Anywho, Fat Lil's... Well, that was, that was to an ACDC tribute, was. 
Flatlills is a wonderful, wonderful venue. I've got a lot of treasured memories there growing up moshing to metal shows. And it's been, I think it's been quite a while since a metal show's not only been in that venue, but sold out. Let's define it for, for us as well. Like a metal, metal show. Metal, metal, proper metal. Yeah. Like you kind of get some like hard, rocky stuff in there mm. or like questionable. But, yeah. This was like metalcore, deathcore kind proper. of stuff. This was the heavy things in there. It was the band Reckoner with a headliner um, with Depolarize and Shoot to Kill as support. Depolarize were so sick. Uh, they got like one song out on streaming, but go listen to it. They're like a beat down hardcore band. Some of the gnarliest breakdowns. They were bloody kicking good. about. Shoot to Kill, really, really sick metalcore with like deathcore moments in there. It was weird, but very, very cool. And then Reckoner, fronted by hometown legend Phil Sparks. Voice of an angel, face of an angel. Briefly had a stint in a few other bands. Briefly had a stint in a few other bands, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> um, their set was amazing. It's the first time I've seen them live. I've been really excited to see them since they announced, like launched and announced their band. Um, and it was just very wholesome to see Whitney, our little hometown, pop off. It's a gig of the year for you already, isn't it? Gig, well, yeah, <laughs> gig of the year. Everything's got to measure up to that so far. But no, it was a very fun night. Very fun. And yeah, like I said, proud to see our hometown go buck wild for some metalcore. Represent. Represent. Heck yeah. What do we have looking forward to in March? Like, what what gigs we got? None. <laughs> you actually, none? Yeah, Neck Deep at Ali Pali. Uh, not loose. The Forum, yeah. I think. With which Death, is be with Death Heaven sick. supporting. Knuckle Puck and Drain supporting Neck Deep. That's yeah. a great lineup. Um, is there anything else in March? I think that's all I'm going to. Because then we've got Dream State, but that's in April. First of April, and then Takedowns in April, and then we're in festival season. It's all Jesus coming up. Christ, that's coming quickly. It's all coming up, Millhouse. It is. Um, yeah, let us know what gigs you're going to and what you've been to and what you've enjoyed so far this year. And if you want a sneak peek of what gigs we're going to as we're going to them, uh, join the Ragamuffin Club because we'll be posting updates in there. Maybe you can come and join us at some gigs. Come and say hello. Oh, right, crack on. Anyway, speaking of gigs, some of them are getting a bit expensive, aren't they? Or are they? That's why I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, our gigs getting too expensive. Yes. Is the long and short of it. Well, you know. Anyway, that's all for this week. <laughs> uh, what happens when, you know, one company monopolizes the live event industry? It turns out they can just charge whatever they fucking want and there's nothing we can do about it. That's, uh, yeah, that's kind of the event or the issue that's kind of triggered this discussion, isn't it? Is this demand-based pricing system that Ticketmaster seems to be going with at the moment, which, if you haven't uh, gone through the horrors of trying to buy tickets from Ticketmaster, or particularly large events from Ticketmaster recently, um, I'm looking at you, Sleep Token fans. They seem to do this thing now where they don't decide on the pricing beforehand. It's based completely on an algorithm which looks at how many people are in the queue and then decides to do the pricing based on how many people there are in the queue. And it was, it's something they've been doing for a couple of years, seemingly, but it was only drawn to my attention when I saw, luckily, I, um, we managed to secure sleep token tickets in the pre-sale for, I think, £50, which, for an arena show, it's actually 
you can nearly say a bargain. It's really, really, yeah, pr- pretty good, a pretty good price. But then I saw a couple of days later for the general sale that people were having to pay about one hundred and eighty, two hundred pounds for basically the exact same tickets that I'd managed to get for just over fifty quid, which had me thinking, hang on, that's just not fair. It's disgusting. Then I've looked into this demand pricing thing, and basically, they've seen what the demand was like for the pre-sale and just gone, you know what? Let's put the prices up to what the demand reflects, I guess. And obviously, there is a demand for it because the show is still sold out. Mm-hmm. But I think you've got to look beyond supply and demand for this kind of thing and just look at fairness and, in a way, morality. Like mm. it's not. Just not fair to charge that amount of money for for that. I think the hard part I've seen a lot on online, which kind of links to it briefly in a way, which is the kind of cost of some of these tours, some of these gigs going up more, but also the time in which is kind of laid out before they're announced. That sometimes you're getting these gigs like announced or tours announced on a Monday and they're on sale that Thursday. Yeah. And so sometimes people and need to save up also, a little bit of money. They they don't have that initial expenditure to be able to just splash out four days later. And also you've got say, loads of bands announcing shows at the same time, all going on sale at the same time. Yeah. It's just and sometimes... We're, we're in a society at the moment where a lot of people are living paycheck to paycheck. And it's too much too They soon. don't really have the time to save up no. to actually buy the tickets. And, and it, they either end up with nothing or having to choose between two of their favourite bands, perhaps. Yeah, and it's just like there needs to be a bit more consideration towards the fans, towards the fan bases. I don't know how we hadn't noticed this change before because it actually seems fairly normalised now that bands are releasing it so soon after being like, yeah, there's a tour coming out. Oh, it starts in a month and tickets go on sale in three days. It just seems to be quite normalised now and it's less like, oh, there's a tour coming later this year. Tickets are on sale in about two weeks. Look forward to that date. Pre-sale be on this date. It's so soon and so compressed and in another that time period now. Another thing I've just thought of as well is it's not just tickets go on sale at this date. It's there's a pre-sale at this date if you sign up to this thing from our business partner that you have to sign up to. And then there's another pre-sale if you sign up to this thing if you don't get to that first pre-sale. And then there might be another three, another pre-sale and then there's the general sale by which point Half the tickets have gone in the pre-sale. You may as well give up at that point. I think one for me recently was actually the um, the Slipknot show. The Slipknot tour yeah, that got announced. That, that, I mean, that's still not sold out. No. And, and that's you know because what? of some of those like bundles, which are upwards of like £400, I think. Exactly. And like it was, it was one initially that I think I had totaled like from a group of us, I think like seven that we're interested in going and between me and one other person we're like let's both go on it let's both we figured out the max you could get was eight anyway so we're like this is safe let's both go on there credit cards fuck it let's max it let's put up let's put seven on there um and then we'll just work out paying afterwards and when looking on there initially and being like 80 quid a ticket i just shut my laptop down and i closed Mm. down the browser and i was like no because and that's, I think that's your favourite band as well. That's my favourite band. Playing like, like one of your favourite albums. Exactly. And like the, the hard part is that knowing now that it's not sold out. And like at the time of the announcement, they hadn't said they were playing debut self-titled in full. 
and then since then find this information I think it had been I think it had been inferred it had been inferred yeah. it wasn't like properly confirmed though because then like teasers kind of were being said but then they properly came out and it's got me still thinking because knowing it's not sold out I I don't know when I'm going to have that opportunity again but it's spending so much money on a gig ticket like prior to this the max I'd spent on a gig ticket was Slipknot with corn supporting and then with king 810 on there and that was a good few years ago and i think that was like 40 quid maybe like yeah. 42 with like the admin fees and shit and so i was kind of always like you know what for my favorite band favorite big bands i'm prepared to pay up to like 40 50 quid and i'm happy with that they're like my favorite tier ones but then to see this mm. band go to like 80 quid i was a bit kind of taken aback by it but yet i'm now still thinking because of the situation of it and like the, the kind of album, the prestige of it and Christ, who knows when Slipknot's going to drop down at this point with all the shit going yeah. on. I'm never going to have that experience of seeing some of these songs again. Like to hear self-titled in full would be mm. phenomenal. So it's, it's a difficult one to kind of think and work and navigate around. But that's also you putting, you've put like a monetary value on how much you're willing to or prepared to spend for like to see Slipknot. And you've decided that that amount is probably a bit too much. Yeah. And now I'm still considering it though. Yeah, exactly. That's the hard part because the inflation of everything that's going around with it is getting out of hand. Whereas what's quite cool is that we're still managing to see on the smaller tours where you can see some of these bands like touring together, which is quite cool. Mm. You're seeing tickets going for like 20, 25 quid. Of like three yeah. band bills, which are fucking incredible. I want to well. come back to smaller, smaller gigs in a second, but let's just let's rewind back to the surge, this um, demand-based pricing for a second. Because I, I looked up and I read a BBC article about it, where they kind of pressed Ticketmaster for like an explanation about it, and Ticketmaster's reasoning was um, pretty much, or at least their logic is that if they put the prices high enough to put the touts off then it means there's less fans being exploited by ticket touts. But I don't see the logic there because what they're saying, what to me, what that basically says is we don't want the touts to get the money. We want to exploit the fans instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. There has to be a better system in place and a way of working around it so that these touts aren't then taking advantage of fans afterwards. Don't get the access to tickets. It needs to be going to the people that want to go and see the live shows, to the fans, to the people that enjoy the music. I don't say I'm, I have a way but, of doing it, but, but there's pricing... got to be a way with enough people in the industry where they can figure this out to make it right. Yeah, but price, pricing fans out of things or I guess the, the sleep token situation is that like with you and Slipknot, you're kind of debating spending that amount of money. There's people that love sleep token and have not had a chance to see them before that will pay whatever the asking price is for it basically mm-hmm. and Ticketmaster know that so I feel like that's that's why they're getting away with that pricing on this one um, Alex you were reading something just then you looked like you had a point to make well I was reminded of um, last year Robert Smith of The Cure like publicly sort of went after Ticketmaster after fans reported like The Cure intentionally kept their ticket prices down some in like the region of like twenty dollars, because they were sickened by like the recent surge in pricing, and then fans were noticing that Ticketmaster were putting on fees of like 
sometimes over $10. So over half the price of the ticket is being added on in f- bullshit fees. And it wasn't until he publicly took them to task over this that they then issued like refunds for people. And I just think like, what what can we do aside from having every artist ever go to bat for us to like combat that? Because if an artist doesn't give a shit, it's going to keep happening to us. It only, it's only because he cared enough to say something that people kind of went, oh yeah, that is kind of bullshit. Mm. But it's like, there's no other option. So we people have got no choice but to just take it, pay the bullshit. Or people start missing out on things. And it's like, I know yeah. this is such a first world problem to have. But we used to go to gigs like, I reckon, averaging one a month. And I do think there is, you know, part of it's probably the pandemic and that does play a big factor, but I don't think we'll ever get up to the amount that we were going to ever again. This was a, this was a point I was going to come on to a bit later in this discussion, but we're in a very lucky position where last year we went to a lot of festivals as accredited press. In fact, the, the majority of festivals that we went to last year, we had some form of accreditation, so we didn't have to pay for tickets. If we weren't in that situation, there's no way we would have done as many festivals as we no. did last year. So yeah, that's yeah. I, I guess my my point being is that people are forced to choose. People are like, well, I either go to this festival or this festival, or I go and see this band on their tour, or I go and see this one. Mm-hmm. People aren't able or don't have the the disposable income or it's it's kind of coming from both sides there's the disposable income side of things of people don't have as much money to spend and also the inflation side of things where people are priced out of things as well so it's almost an attack from both sides that people just can't afford to go to all these all these gigs and all these events I did have another point I was going to come to but I've we've gone off track now Ticketmaster um, is obviously an issue with larger events, um, sort of arena-sized bands and big festivals and things. Um, I think we're quite lucky that smaller bands still keep their prices very low and sort of more independent promoters seem to have that bit of freedom where either the gig just don't cost so much to put on so the ticket prices are a bit lower or like Alex said with bands, the bands might take less of the cut from the from the ticket pricing to I guess sort of alleviate the issue for the fans. It's a hard industry to be in anyway and to try and be successful. And when you know the price of streaming is fucking abysmal in terms of what the payout is to bands, it has always been said like go and buy your tickets, go and see your bands on tour, go and buy their merch and when can't go and do that because That's, financially it's not viable. How the fuck else are you meant to try and support your favourite artist? Merch is another big one because venues, obviously, we've covered venue merch cuts many times on this podcast. And that's... People is people are kind of educated enough now to know that... Well, it's drummed into them enough to know that buying merch is like the main way to support the bands you love nowadays. But because 
A, there's cuts, and because of how much things cost now, merch prices have gone up. Um, James especially, you used to buy a t-shirt at practically every single gig we go to, but I almost exclusively anymore. buy stuff now from like bands direct stores. Yeah. And order it with the delivery. Um, because at least I know at that point mm. the majority of the money is going towards that band. I just ordered the landmarks vinyl and it came from France. Um, because I knew it was going to them. I wanted yep. the vinyls, like I I wanted to make sure that that's kind of going to the artist that I want to support with it. Um and so it, it makes it harder when you want to kind of support these artists. Otherwise, the industry dies, these bands die, they go away. And before you know it, you're wishing you had seen them and been able to support them. And it's an industry which is hard, like I said, to to thrive in and be successful in. And it needs everyone's support. But the financial burden that it's putting onto people with the rising prices makes it fucking mm -hmm. difficult. And like I see tours that are being announced that I'm like, oh, I normally i would have gone to that yeah but because knowing the landscape of it all now it makes it a lot harder to actually decide on what i'm going to see when i'm going to go and see who yep. i'm going to go and see um stuff like I, I have in the back of mind still like the the bear tooth wembley show in october i've no doubt that we're gonna go but i haven't i'm yeah. kind of scared but to look you're at already, the ticket you're already thinking about Tickets are probably going to be around sort of 40, yep. 40 quid, probably. We've got to find a way to travel there. We probably won't, but there's there's sometimes where we go to gigs where we need to look at accommodation. Mm -hmm. That's not cheap as well. Nope. So you've got all these costs that kind of add up. You want to buy merch because you want to support the bands. You want to buy a drink at the venue, but often that's going to be... Bloody Pretty extortionate pricing as well. Take out a mortgage for some of those. So really, you've just got all these prices that just add up and add up. I wanted to talk about Slam Dunk Festival as well, because... <laughs> James, the first year that you and I went to Slam Dunk Festival, we saw about the same amount of bands that are on the bill nowadays for £40. I... 2024... Oh, man. I think nine years on from the first Slam Dunk we went to, the tickets are now £120. There's still about the same number of bands on there, about the same. In fact, Unit 6 headlined in 2015, the first year we went to Slam Dunk Festival, the headlining this year. Arguably, they're not as good of a band as they were in 2015 as well. But it's 120 quid to go and see them at Slam Dunk this year. That's just a bit mad, isn't it? I, I know still, inflation's a thing, but... I still remember, I think it was the following year in 2016 when we went. I purely went off the back of initially uh, Beartooth and Neck Deep playing. And I remember the, the cost of 40 quid and being like, if I was to look at that as two separate gigs, 20 quid a gig, fuck it, I can mm. justify that perfectly. Yeah, because I'd they were two bands that I loved, I listened to, and I'm going to find other bands throughout the day. Now I'm looking at it in terms of this year, 120 quid. There's two, possibly three bands that genuinely I'd pay money to see at a headliner gig, just for personal for me. Mm. And then I'm start, it's chipping away at what it would be for the same experience. And it's it's just not the same. And yeah, rising costs mm. are going to happen, yeah. inflation is going to happen, but slightly more the value for money, especially when you look at yeah, implications. That's, that's and, the term we're looking for here, I think, is value for money. 
you look at last year and and I have a tainted experience. I'm so hesitant at this point. We don't know if we're going to slam dunk this year still Mm. because last year put such a black mark on our experience of it that we've come away from it kind of scarred and being like, it's, it's changed from a point when we would look forward to it being the kickstart of the year for festival season. Every year we're outside for the day festival. All our mates have a drink, good weather, great setup, great atmosphere, great bands to a point when it's like, I'm not yeah, actually interested in going, yeah, to be honest. Instead, we're looking at what sacrifices we're making or what it's going to cost for us to go. It's a complete 180. Um, and yeah, value for money is the term we're looking for there because back in 2015, or, or yeah, like the, the following year when we went to Birmingham, like you said, 40 or 45 quid for the ticket was justified just for you to see Beartooth and Neck Deep. I miss those Midland days. Midlands was great. Bring it back. Um, um, whereas now, 100, 120 quid to see like the same amount of bands as we saw for 40 quid. Plus, I mean, earlier this year, I saw uh, the the two bands that I'd probably be most excited about at Slam Dunk, uh, Arm's Length and Beauty School. And I saw both of those bands play headline sets for 15 quid earlier this year why the fuck do you pay 120 so why would I pay 120 quid to see them play short festival sets granted there's a bunch of other bands that I would quite like to see on there but again for that amount of money I could go and see them somewhere else at some point so we did also ask our ragamuffin club which as mentioned earlier you can join on Facebook a little community we can talk about music a bit better together compared to in like comment sections where we can actually have proper discussions and interact um, but we like to ask them every now and again with like opinions on topics and things that we discuss. Uh, and so Dan, let us know uh, some of what they've said. Yeah, Max has left like a pretty substantial comment here. So I'll try and kind of pick out some points from it. Um, but he said he it's something that he's actively been keeping an eye on over gigs last year. Um, looking at basically the whole package of everything, the ticket price, the travel, merch, Cloakroom costs, that's something we didn't talk about just then. The cost of drinks, food, uh, even accommodation if if need be. Um, And he said kind of the range between sort of smaller gigs and bigger gigs was pretty substantial. Um, He said it cost him about 36 quid all in all to see um, Bullet For My Valentine in Southampton. Um, But then he's also spent £210 to go to Slam Dunk last year. but again, value for money comes into things because he saw loads of bands at the festival compared to just the three at Bullet for My Valentine. Mm-hmm. So again, depends depends how you value the money there, I suppose. Uh, he says that he thinks it can be expensive, but if you're careful with your choices, i.e. which venues you go to, how many drinks you have, how much merch you buy, then it's possible to go to a couple of month if it's kind of your main hobby. Yeah, plausible. Uh, he brings up the same points that we have about uh, dynamic pricing on sellout tours. Uh, calls them ticket bastards, which mm. is quite nice. Uh, he says that for him, he finds that uh, bigger shows are worse value uh, with arena and stadium tickets are often double or triple that of a club show. I think that's valid. You'll often go to an arena for like 50, 50 anywhere from 50 to 100 quid, it seems, for an arena show. A nice Whereas often of... places like independent venues or sort of academy-sized venues, you're looking at maybe 20 quid for a ticket. 
the nice part of like seeing some of your favorite bands like finally do that arena show a bit like sleeps but there's still nothing quite like those club shows or the smaller ones mm-hmm. like the intimacy you get out of it like for like the sleeps one was phenomenal but i will always harken back to uh the one at camden underworld coming out of the pandemic being yeah. so fucking sick and one of the highlight shows that i'll ever go to Uh, Max goes on to say that uh, to counteract that, a lot of festivals are incredible value. Um, and I know we've just slated Slam Dunk. But again, if there's loads of bands on that lineup that you want to go and see, then fair enough if you want to pay that amount of money. The one that I, I mean, you know we love Trees here, but I think Trees is amazing value. It's, what, 150 to 200 quid for a weekend ticket. And you can just see so many bands. Uh, well, so we got uh, Ed agreed with Max's comment, um, and pointed out that there's often, like we said earlier, there's bands that announce shows sort of in a short space of time around the same time as each other, which absolutely hammers his wallet. Uh, Ross, uh, that yeah, sorry, to yep, jump go in, on. That's something that I've definitely noticed. Is it used to be like, oh my god, we've got tickets for fucking six months time. And you almost f- fucking forget about it until that week rolls around. Whereas now it's like, oh, I've got tickets for a gig that's in three weeks. And I've got to figure out how to budget for, to fucking get there. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's it's ridiculous that like, I think it's uh, symptomatic of a bigger problem as far as people's, the way the music industry is structured now for like people's attention spans. Because it's like, I don't want to try and sell a tour in six months time because I can't guarantee that people will be thinking about me then so I need to sell the tour now and I think I don't know I think it burns fans out because because it's so because it comes up so quick I'm like oh fuck before I can even think about it it's either already sold out or it's like oh fuck I can't get ready for that in a month do you know what I mean so you end up like that's my way of looking at it is I'll just be like oh fuck yeah you're almost like I won't even bother yeah uh, Ross says that he's more than happy to pay to support his favourite bands, even if it's slightly more expensive than he would usually like to pay, um, as it feels worth it. Um, he says that he feels that festivals in general represent good value for money for the amount of bands that you get to see, although he does wish that merch was a bit cheaper, uh, despite the understanding that merch sales represent a big chunk of the band's income. He's finding that he's buying a lot less merch than he used to years ago. Which, Similar to me, which really, said, to be honest. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, Jareth says that he's uh, lucky enough to quite like quite a lot of smaller bands, uh, which obviously means the pricing is a little bit more manageable. But then if there's a few biggies thrown in there, then it can get a bit expensive. Uh, he says that the killer for him is merch. He loves buying merch, but it can get really expensive. Um, and he mentions uh, venue cuts, which we've covered before. Uh, he says as an example, he went to see Hot Milk last year. And a check shirt was about £100, which obviously they wanted to get, but priced out a little bit there. Mm. Ed's come back a couple of hours later after agreeing to Max's comment with a, tell you what does wind me up. (laughs) Go on then. Uh, The cost of drinks at venues. Oh, fucking hell. Yeah. I hate going to London and paying seven quid a pint. I've got a core memory from a gig at the O2 Arena in London. Went to see Nothing But Thieves. And I remember... You, do you remember the story that I'm about to tell? I remember uh, ordering a pint of Coke. 
they had they had uh, like large coke on the menu board behind them so i thought it was going to be like from the tap but no they just turned around to the fridge behind them put a plastic cup on there um grabbed just a standard 500 milliliter bottle of coke from the fridge and just poured it into a pint cup in front of me so obviously 500 mils isn't even a pint it just sort of came like two-thirds of the way up the cup and then they were like that's eight pounds please fuck it out so eight pounds for a drink that would be like one pound twenty. Oh. Well, maybe that's um, the thing to do. Maybe we boycott the bar. Hashtag boycott, boycott the, the bar. bar. Well, and then unless it's at Trees, because Heroes by Beer. Well, that was about but, to be the point I was going to make. <laughs> is like when, and I know we talk a lot about how amazing Trees is, but it's it's amazing what happens when you treat your customer base with like respect an understanding of what the situation is because with the heroes by Biro scheme trees basically say hey look bring your own shit drink your own shit if you want to support us the bar is there and it's funny how that approach suddenly makes you a hundred times more inclined to just be like oh do you know what I-, I will buy a beer because like i'd rather go to a venue pay four pound a pint and get two than pay seven pound a pint. Yeah, because that's the other thing. Not only are trees saying you don't have to buy from the bar, but if you do, you would be grateful. They keep the prices low as well. Yeah, and I just think like I know it's a problem that's probably never going to get better. It's only just going to keep getting worse. But like eventually, these venues I think are going to just price. Th- they're going to price themselves out of having like a paying customer base. I say that, but then, but then grassroots music is still affordable and accessible. Yeah, this is and, an, this is another where the support should probably be redirected if people are going to be yeah. boycotting Ticketmaster or avoiding bigger gigs. Yeah, go go and support your local scene and your local venues. If if you if you can't afford to go to these big arena shows, go and see the arena bands of the future today. Big up Flatnails. Um, but yeah, speaking of grassroots venues, Ed has uh, elaborated on the point that. Um, and Shikari's uh, Arena Tour, which they've just been on in the UK, not only did they keep the ticket prices pretty low, despite having some incredible-looking production, I'm pretty upset I didn't go, to be fair, um, but a pound from each ticket went to the uh, Music Venues Trust, which helps support grassroots venues. Um, and also, I don't know if they all did it, but I know at least Wembley Arena also matched that pound per ticket. So anyone that went to... The Shikari show at Wembley Arena, two pounds of their ticket went to support grassroots venues. And that's a lot of people. That's mm-hmm. a very a lot of people. A lot of two pounds. Look after the pounds and the hundreds and thousands and will line the pockets of Ticketmaster. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know if there's go on. Go on, I was gonna say any closing thoughts. It felt like a good rant. Say. Yeah, I don't know if there's really a, a resolution to this. More just to shout at the sun for a bit mm. but like I don't know things are fucked we're in a recession we're in yeah. a recession I think yeah I think I don't think it's an exclusively music industry thing mm-hmm. I think it's something not to get political or anything but it's it's something that's a representation of the wider society at the moment well it makes it makes stuff like going and seeing live music something that only the rich can afford when really live music is an incredibly cultural thing and it's something that everyone should have the means to be able to experience. 
And that's our opinions on it all. Let us know down below. You, like I say, you've heard from some of the Ragamuffin Club members. So come and join the club. Join in the discussions that we have. Um, let us know down below what you think. And how have you found ticket pricing for you recently? Any gigs you've been to which have been notable in terms of that? Um, and just kind of the overall gig experience with it. Let us know. Uh, we've still got one more thing to do on this podcast. We've still got to recommend some albums to each other. Oh, we do, don't we? I'm ready, while well, I think you two are thinking a little bit, for what I think is quite possibly one of the greatest festival announcements in the past decade. Uh, what I think is the real headline act of one of the premier music festivals on this planet. Busted. We're listening to that self-titled debut album again. I cannot fucking wait for that show. Um, yeah. We're bouncing it back. We're going back to what I go to school for. Sleeping with the light on. On the eve We're of going Fight ba- Star making a comeback. Busted. Busted. It's, <laughs> it's where it's fucking at. So, uh, yeah, that's my recommendation for this month. Self-titled Busted. Let's go. Sticking with festival bookings. Uh, one of my... Uh, favourite bookings that I'm very excited for at 2003 this year is Manchester Orchestra. So I'm going to recommend my favourite album of theirs, A Black Mile to the Surface. I'll keep the theme of uh, festivals then. Um, and it's an album that I haven't actually listened to, but I'm sure I'll like it. And they're playing it in full outbreak. It's The Hotelier with Home Like No Place Fuck Is yeah. There. I haven't heard it. I don't know why I haven't heard it's it. It's an outstanding album. I so, love it. There you go. That's my recommendation. Did I pronounce the band name right? I think so. No, who gives a fuck? Was say it again? The Hotelier? Hotelier? I'd just say the Hotelier. 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 Just say it quick and then... No one knows. No one knows, yeah. Hotelier. Like the video, subscribe to the channel, all those beautiful things. Uh, gigs that we talked about, vlogs are out, festival seasons come in. Uh, we'll have a takedown chat coming out soon where we preview the festival. We've got perfect gigs that have been out, so go and check those out. Um, yeah, we chatted to Shields recently. That was really fun. Yeah, we chatted to Shields. That was a lot of fun. Uh, probably one of the funniest perfect gigs we've done. Definitely go watch it. Adam's in the room. Adam is always in the room. Just remember that. Um, thank you for everything. <laughs> Speak to you next time. Well, well, <laughs> love you, bye. <laughs> what a sweet way to end it. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.